Scripture for today is from John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. And it reads, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I love that verse. I think about that whenever the world seems like it's going crazy, which is most of the time. And Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Crazy stuff may be happening, but don't get too bent out of shape about it because Jesus is going to take care of it. That's good news. Now, ultimately, that's what this is about today. Although I am very aware of the fact that I'm walking into some very dangerous territory uh, with this presentation. And if perchance I offend you today, I hope that you will talk to me before you leave. Matthew 18 says to do that. Because maybe we can put it back together if I mess up. I will tell you that what I'm about to do I call equal opportunity offending. (laughs) Uh, If you think I've stepped on your toes, just wait. I'll step on the other side's toes in a moment. If you're thinking, oh, good, he's getting somebody else, your turn's coming. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Let me get right into it. No political party saves you. Only Jesus saves you. No politician saves you. Only Jesus saves you. No church saves you. Only Jesus saves you. And if you mess that one up, you're in big trouble. We've got to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. Let not your heart be troubled. Yeah, the world's going crazy, but the world isn't going to fix itself. Jesus takes care of that. All right? So our focus has to always be on Jesus. Some of you are familiar with Daniel chapter 11 now. I'm just going to give you a real heads up on where I'm headed. Where do God's people get caught in Daniel 11? (laughs) Welcome to Daniel 11 and how you are really caught in the middle if you're following Jesus. All right. The question that I'm going to go into today is just in the introduction to the time of the end, there's some end-time allies that come into play. The king of the north and the king of the south both have allies for the time of the end. During the first conflict, the papacy had the armies of Europe that backed him. In the second conflict, he used the armies of Europe. And we've already noticed that in Revelation 13, the papacy uses the armies of the U.S., which is basically a Protestant power in history in the third conflict. So about the time of the deadly wound in 1798, but before the close of the second woe, which is in 1840, in Bible prophecy we note that we have the rise of U.S. Protestantism rising 
and it ends up supporting the King of the North in Revelation 13. From the French Revolution, we get Marxist socialism, and in, it ends up being supportive of the King of the South in Revelation 11. I'm really right at the beginning laying out where I'm going with this. Now I'm going to show it. All right? So we're going to look at the power of, well, the king of the end, time of the end, king of the south. Is Revelation 11 the king of the south or is it its helper? There are some say, oh, because Revelation 11 talks about Egypt, Revelation 11 is the king of the south in Daniel 11. The problem of it is, it only fits one little part of the king of the south, not the whole thing. Islam's the only thing that fits the whole picture. Whereas Revelation 11 would match very well with being its end-time ally or helper. Let's take a look. Reasons that Revelation 11 is like the Daniel 11 king of the south, but is not the Daniel 11 king of the south. When Daniel talks about Babylon in the book of Daniel, he means the nation of Babylon. When John talks about Babylon in Revelation, he's talking about a power that is like it. In, Revel, in, well, in Daniel, when Daniel says Egypt, he means the country of Egypt. It is Egypt. When John talks about Egypt, he's talking about a power that is like it. Notice Whenever Daniel uses a place name, he means the place. Every place name in the book of Revelation, after he was envisioned on the Isle of Patmos, everything after that point, once he goes into vision, is place names are used symbolically. They're like or symbolic. Even though they're literal places, there's always a symbolic reason for it in Revelation. So, we need to keep the writing style of these different authors in mind. Now, I do ask for your patience with one thing. I am likely to have the slip of a tongue a few times. Here's the problem. When I'm bouncing back and forth between Daniel 11 and Revelation 11, because they're both chapter 11, I'll sometimes slip and say the wrong one and say Daniel 11 when I'm at Revelation 11 or vice versa. I just wish they weren't both chapter 11. <laughs> it gets confusing in my, on my tongue. I know what I'm talking about, but my tongue doesn't always cooperate on this one. And uh, so keep that in mind. Let's take a look at the time context of Daniel, uh, Revelation 11. 11.3, <laughs> and I will give power to my two witnesses and they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. Well, the 1,260 days brings you down to around 1798. You go down to the end of the section on this prophecy, verse 14, it says, the second woe is past, behold, the third woe is coming quickly. So whatever is happening in 11.3, the 11.14, should be around 1798, but before 1840, that's a pretty narrow time window. So let's get into it. In verse 8 it says, And there the two witnesses, their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom, Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Who are these two witnesses that were clothed in sackcloth and their dead bodies will lie in the street? 
of the city which is spiritually called Sodom, Egypt, where our Lord is crucified. I want you to notice something. This is the one and only spot in the whole book of Revelation where he says it's spiritually or symbolically called. He uses symbolism a lot, but in this one verse he outright says he's being symbolic or spiritual about it. Is it really Sodom? No, that's been long gone. Is it really Egypt? No, but it's like it. It's like Sodom, and it's like where our Lord was crucified. I'm going to unpack that a little as we go along. There is a power that perfectly matches this. The two witnesses that were clothed with sackcloth and are killed would be the Old and New Testament. Somebody says, oh, those are real people. Well, just remember in Revelation 11, they're also called the olive trees and the lampstands. It's very symbolic. God's Old and New Testaments for 1260 years during papal supremacy was clothed in sackcloth. Could you read them? Yes. But it's not easy. It's clothed in sackcloth. You had to be able to go into a church and have permission and you could go up to the special library or the altar and you could find a Bible and you had to know how to read Latin. So it was there, but it was held away from the people. The average person could not read it. And you were not allowed to have your own. So it's clothed in sackcloth. There's a time coming when these two would be killed. In other words, not just clothed in sackcloth, they're gone. They're not allowed at all. And this all fits. Their dead bodies would lie in... Okay, we're looking at the French Revolution from 1789 to 1799. It fits around 1798, but before 1840. It's right at the last part of the 1260 years, and it goes just a little beyond it. Huh. Now, does this fit the French Revolution? Yes, we're going to find that the French Revolution, they throw out marriage and morals, just like Sodom does. They claim that they don't know God, just like Pharaoh said, I don't know God. He's worshiping all kinds of things, but he didn't know the real God. The French would throw out everything to do with God, claim to be atheists, but they were worshiping the nation of France and reason. Uh, It would be like Jerusalem, where our Lord was crucified, For centuries, they'd had the Bible, but they ignored it, and they ended up working contrary to Jesus. And what did they call him? They would be yelling, down with the wretch, during the revolution. Very similar to crucify him. And the Bible was burned and put on public display the ashes as celebrating the destruction of Christianity. The two... the two witnesses, their bodies would lay in the street and people would celebrate. It all fit the French Revolution. Their dead bodies would lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually uh, is called Sodom, Egypt. And, we will, and we'll see their, they will see their dead bodies three and a half days. That would be three and a half years. 
and not allow their dead bodies to be put into graves, and those who dwell in the earth will rejoice over them and make merry. Man, you read through the French Revolution stuff and it fits this. Religion and the Bible were prohibited from November 24, 1793 to June 17, 1797. That happens to be three and a half years. If you were to have a study group in your home, you're dead. If a priest was to have mass or a Protestant was to have any kind of a meeting, you're dead. You would be executed. Anything from any group where they claim to believe in God, it was a death sentence. Raspierre, leader of the French Revolution, had only to send a deputy's name to the public accuser and he would be in his grave the next day. The victims increased rapidly in number. The guillotine was removed to a distant part of the city where a deep trench was dug to carry away such quantities of blood. Have to dig ditches to drain blood? Um, I'm going to read this. This is about the French Revolution. I'm going to read several things about the French Revolution, but I want you to be thinking something other than history as I read this. I want you to be thinking about what's happening in the world right now. There are many news commentators that I've actually heard recently admit that we're looking at similar situations to the French Revolution. So keep this in mind. Anyone denounced for seeking to inspire discouragement, spreading false news, corrupting the public conscience, and impairing the purity and energy of the revolutionary government could be brought before the revolutionary tribunal. No witnesses would be allowed to be called, nor could the accused have a defense counsel. Ever heard of cancel culture? Do you realize that if social media doesn't like what you're doing, you are just wiped out and they will just tell you you were contrary to public, their public, uh, oh, I just went blank on it, their public standards. They won't tell you what you did. You can't appeal it, really. You're just blocked off. Uh, Ever heard of uh, fake news? What is fake news? Well, that depends on who's calling it fake news. One side has one definition, another side has another definition. Now, anyone seeking to inspire discouragement or corrupting the public conscience or impairing the purity, that wasn't morals. That was if you were politically not lining up with the revolution. You were in big trouble. Hmm. Ever heard of politically correct speech? That's been getting more and more complicated and dangerous as we go along. But they would be raised after three and a half years, these two witnesses. Now after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them and they stood on their feet and great fear fell on those who saw them. Amazingly, as soon as the reign of terror was over and religion was allowed in France again, there is a powerful revival that comes in and it sweeps not only in France, but it goes all over Europe and the world. At the close of the 1700s, we have a rise of mission and Bible societies. And so you can take a look at it this way. You have the French Revolution, there's a little blip there, and immediately following, you have an explosion of mission and Bible study groups. I mean, Bible society groups. This is the golden age of missions. It's while 
the papacy and Islam are weak and before they resurge. I mean, God uses an attack against the Bible and Christianity to trigger the greatest outreach in recent time. Isn't that interesting? But it all matches this prophecy of Revelation chapter 11. Now, let's take a look at Wikipedia on the French Revolution. The French Revolution had great and far-reaching impact that probably transformed the world more than any other revolution. Its repercussions include lessening the importance of religion, rise of modern nationalism, spread of liberalism, and igniting the age of revolutions. So they're admitting here that the French Revolution is impacting us in major ways yet today. Book Great Controversy, written in the 1800s, talking about the French Revolution, says this. Eager, again, think of today's world as I read this. Eager to redress the wrongs they had suffered, they determined to undertake the reconstruction of society. An outraged populace whose minds were filled with bitter and long-treasured memories of wrong resolved to revolutionize the state of misery that had grown unbearable and to avenge themselves upon those whom they regarded as the offerings of their sufferings. Are there any protests or dangerous situations where people are feeling wronged in today's world? Oh man, all over the place. The war against the Bible inaugurated an era which stands in the world's history as the reign of terror. Peace and happiness were banished from the homes and hearts of men. No one was secure. He whose triumph today was suspected condemned tomorrow. Violence and lust had undisputed sway. Man, is that ever today's world? And violence and lust? You think that's not going on? You're getting the stories of Epstein and all this other kind of stuff and how many friends in high places he had? Yeah, that's all going on. No insecure homes and hearts of men. How many homes have been ripped apart by politics here in the United States alone in recent time? It's been really, really difficult. King, clergy, and nobles were compelled to submit to the atrocities of an excited and maddened people. You either agree with the with the demonstrators, or you're in trouble. We're compelled to commit the, submit to the atrocities of an excited and maddened people. A general slaughter of all suspected of hostility to the revolution was determined. The cities of the kingdom were filled with scenes of horror. One party of revolutionists was against another party. What would happen in the United States if the Proud Boys and Antifa and... Black Lives Matter show up at the same place at the same time. Likely to be trouble? Mm-hmm. And France became a vast field for contending masses, swayed by the fury of their passions. And to add to the general misery, the nation became involved in a prolonged and devastating war. Uh, do you realize the United States is, is right now in the longest war of its history? It's the war on terror. By the way, Biden's getting the United States out of Afghanistan now, right? You've heard that, right? I just saw a report yesterday. Well, actually, he's going to leave 1,000 people there after the U.S. is out. We're out, but we've got 1,000 people there. 
Doesn't sound like we're very out. (laughs) The country was nearly bankrupt. There's a reason, probably, that we're starting to see inflation. Because the government is spending wildly. And civilization was almost distinguished in anarchy and license. Huh. Sounds an awful lot like our situation right now. Now, I want to show you something. Out of the French Revolution, it laid a little dormant for a bit. And by the time you hit the 1840s, Karl Marx turns the principles of the French Revolution into Marxist socialism, which explode across Europe, and you have communism take over. Now, during this time period, Islam isn't fighting against Christianity. But there is a power fighting against Christianity. And what is it? Some of you who are older, what was the big problem, the big barrier to spreading Christianity in the world in the 50s and 60s? It's communism, wasn't it? Iron Curtain. And you have all these Bible smuggler stories and all the rest of it of trying to get stuff back in there and people are put into concentration camps and all kinds of stuff for sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so look, while Islam is down, communism takes its place for Satan to use to stop the spread of Christianity. But then, as the papacy and Islam start coming up, communism apparently takes a dive. I say apparently, because it looked like it at the time. In the book, Keys of This Blood we have an interesting statement of the Pope. To endow his papacy with an international profile and his Pope move around among world leaders and nations, vindicating a position for himself as a special leader among leaders. Because of the competition, he plans to emerge the victor. There were three world superpowers, according to the papacy. The United States, Russia, Soviet Union, and the Vatican. He intended to come out on top. So what do you have to do? You link up with one of them to take down the other one. The enemy, my enemy, is my friend. But in Revelation 13, it kind of says the United States would end up leaning with the papacy, and sure enough, that's who he joins with to take down communism that is kind of taking the place of Islam. Isn't that interesting? (sighs) Could they ever work together? We saw that the other day. This is one of the great secret alliances of all time. Reagan and the Pope agreed to undertake a clandestine campaign to hasten the dissolution of the communist empire. Step by reluctant step, the Soviets and communist government of Poland bowed to the moral, economic, and political pressure imposed by the Pope and the President. So yeah, they combined to bring a rapid decline in communism. Um, in many parts of the world. Didn't totally eradicate it, but a rapid decline. Right? Now, take a look back to Revelation 11 and Daniel 11. In Daniel 11, in the time of the end, when the king of the south divides three ways, we have Egypt, Libya, Ethiopia, and Jordan. Those are all uh, Islamic context. So when Daniel 11, the king of the south goes down, it's naming Muslim areas. But Revelation 11.8, it's spiritually called Egypt. 
So it's sort of linked. But the power out of the French Revolution, well, it was fighting against the spread of Christianity just like Islam was while Islam was weak. So it's like it. It matches Daniel and John's usage of the terms. Daniel is, Revelation is like. Notice 11.14 of Revelation. The second woe is passed. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. Right at the end of the second woe, this power comes up and it moves into the time period of the third woe. Well, the woes in Revelation were about Islam. Oh, so this power, which is like Egypt, is work right in there with them because the woes are references to Islam. So it's like Egypt and the woes are references to Islam and that's used in Revelation 11 as well. Remember you had the three time periods, Daniel of conflict, the former of the Crusades appointed the Ottoman and the latter the time of the end. The three woes, two were past, one was present in Revelation 9. Uh, First and second woe, Arab and Ottoman Islam. Third woe is not explained much at all in Revelation, just mentioned, but it's not explained. It should match the third conflict of Daniel 11. So it should be an Islam-Christian conflict as well. But here's what I've now realized. Communism didn't fall. It, well, it fell for a little bit, but it's in a resurgence. And it is linked up completely now, the radical left, with Islam. And I just said radical left. I didn't say all the left. Because I'm going to get quite specific. And people are thinking, oh, you're talking left, you're talking Democrats. Well, some of the radical left are Democrats. But not all Democrats are radical left. I'm also going to talk about the radical right and the right. But not all Republicans are radical right. So don't assume that I'm talking about just Democrats and Republicans. Some Republicans and some Democrats fall into this, but a lot of God's people get caught in the middle and they could be in either one of those groups or not in either of them at all. All right? But we've got to be really, really careful here. So what I'm seeing right now is the political right leans papal-led north towards traditional Christianity. The political left is leaning south towards radical Islam. You can read about it in a couple of books. Unholy Alliance, David Horowitz. He's radical right. Keep that in mind when you read his book, okay? He started out radical left. Didn't like what he saw and went the other direction. In 2005, he talked about radical Islam and the American left and how they were tied together. Today, what he was afraid of is out in the open. He's also got the book Dark Agenda, The War to Destroy Christian America. Now, just remember, he's coming from way over on the right. So if you read these books, keep that in mind. All right? But I'm going to point out some of the similarities and cooperation of Islam and the atheistic secularism, the, especially the radical political left. Number one, they both dislike Israel. Muslims, radical Muslims, they don't like Israel. Moderate Muslims are making alliances with Israel right now, but radical Muslims don't. Uh, have you noticed that the radical left in the U.S. capital 
doesn't like Israel. But that's causing a big problem for Democrats. Because there are some Democrats that like Israel. But the radical left doesn't. And so Representative Omar just stirred up a whole bunch of heat on that in the last day or two. And, but the political left has a hard time criticizing a Muslim for hating Israel because, well, you can't criticize. Both the political left and radical Islam hate capitalism. The Atlantic, a year ago, said thousands of Americans have become socialists since March. I want you to know this, that several years ago, if somebody was called a liberal, they probably couldn't win a presidential election. Now that means nothing. Now somebody that's talking openly about socialism can win. That comes out of the French Revolution. Ultimately, when you trace it back. Both radical Islam and the radical left hate papal-led Christianity. Oh, the radical left does not like the Catholic Church's stand on abortion, do they? And the radical left has already targeted the papacy as their target in this third and final holy war. Crisis Magazine. This is some, some conservative Catholics. And uh, you can find all kinds of interesting things on this. By the way, a year ago, they ran an article about why they wished Sunday laws were in effect to bring our society together. That was interesting. But I, when I found that, I went and looked at their about page because I always want to know about the group I'm reading something from. Because I know everybody has an opinion, a leaning. And when I'm reading from some kind of a website or news source, I want to know what their leaning is. Take a look. This is their about page. The West has arrived at a crisis point, hence Crisis Magazine. We must decide, do we serve the city of God or the city of man? Does our first allegiance lie with the church or with the state? Do we profess the ancient and immutable faith or the latest fashionable secular dogmas? Not since the Cold War have we experienced such violent political, cultural, and spiritual unrest. Not since the Civil War has our country been divided so bitterly against itself. Our civilization is under attack from the far left within and radical Islam without. Did you catch that? The far left within, that's Revelation 11. Radical Islam without, that's Daniel 11. These two powers that are similar to each other and attack the papal system together. Isn't it interesting that Catholics already recognize this? They don't see it in prophecy, but they recognize it from the attacks that they're taking. Both the radical left and radical Islam hate American exceptionalism. One says death to America in its street demonstrations. The other one says down with America. That's fairly similar, isn't it? The Palestinians' unbreakable link with Black Lives Matter. It was described by some as the American Intifada. The link between BLM and the Palestinians' suffering is unbreakable. Last year, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, 
and Palestinian demonstrations started exchanging demonstrators. They would help each other out. It's getting pretty similar when they're helping each other out in their demonstrations, isn't it? U.S. Southern Command Chief says Iran's Quds Force is sending weapons and troops to Venezuela. That was December of 2020. Is that happening right now? At this moment, at least I should say at this moment, a day or two ago, Iranian ships had come down around the tip of Africa and they were heading northwest across the Atlantic, headed towards either Cuba or Venezuela, probably Venezuela. And on board, there are attack, uh, fast attack boats. There's probably other kinds of weapons on two Iranian Navy vessels. And the U.S. just told Venezuela and Cuba, don't allow them to stop at your ports. Don't know what's going to happen, but there are a lot of people watching. But look at this. Iran is a radical Muslim group. Venezuela is a radical Marxist group. But they have the same common enemy, the United States. You see, in the Middle East, there's a saying, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Marxists don't like radical Muslims very well. And radical Muslims definitely don't like Marxists very well. But they're each other's useful idiots. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. And so they work together. If they win, they would then turn on each other. Both hate conservative politicians. Islamic Republic of Iran's parliament speaker celebrates Trump's projected defeat with Quranic quote. But even more telling to me is what happens when Suleimani dies. He was the Al-Quds force commander of Iran, the second most powerful guy, and he was killed by a U.S. drone strike. Moderate Muslims across the Middle East were quietly happy. Political right politicians all over the world were happy. Radical Muslims were very angry, and political left was very angry, even here in the U.S. Isn't it interesting how it always breaks? Whatever radical Islam likes, the political left likes. They both like social justice with the exception of the LGBTQ plus agenda. They both claim social justice all the time. They both use the terms Islamophobia, etc., right? I don't know if you can remember this, but when the United States Supreme Court ruled in favor of same-sex marriages. There was a hashtag that went out, love wins, and where people were celebrating from the LGBTQ viewpoint. There were some Muslims that under that hashtag released a video. They took four homosexual men in the Middle East up on top of a tall building, held them by their ankles out over the edge of the building and dropped them head first in the concrete many stories below. Because radical Muslims hate homosexuals. Who do you think protested in the United States? The political left or the political right? The death of those four 
homosexual men. The political left was silent. The American right protested their deaths. That might at first seem like a reversal of what you would expect. But because of something called intersectionality, the American left cannot protest. Study that for yourself. It's a, that one's a deep conversation. Both the political left and radical Islam say that Jesus was just a good man and the Bible's not your authority. Man, isn't that amazing? You have all these things where they are in agreement. No wonder you can have the Bible talking about Islam in Daniel 11, then Revelation 11, it has a power that comes up and it links it multiple times to something that is like Islam. Because it is like it in many ways. Now, historically, whenever you have Islam or uh, atheistic, Marxist atheism in charge or socialism in charge, you have a problem. I have some of the magazines I get. I'm on the mailing list for Voice of the Martyrs. And there are countries in this world where if you're a Christian, you are fair game where the government itself will persecute you. Do you realize that all of those countries are either radical Muslim or radical left? Socialist Marxist countries? No wonder the Bible links them. You can, you know, month after month I get these and it's stories of people being persecuted either by atheistic Marxist socialism or by radical Islam. I have a chart on my wall from this group, Voice of the Martyrs, and it shows the countries all over the world where Christians are fair game for persecution, even by the government. And they're all either Marxist, socialist, or Islamic. But if I go a little further back in history, I will find papal-led Christianity as the persecutor. Hmm. That's the other side. Where are God's people going to be caught? In the middle of this thing. Over and over. Political left operative back in the 70s said the issue is never the issue. The issue is always the revolution. So the political left will always pick up one issue and then run it, make as much chaos as they can out of it, then they'll pick up another issue and another issue and another issue, and they're trying to run a revolution against what's here. Now, we have a king of the north versus king of the south-like conflict in Europe and Israel. It's not just here, with the, with the left and a right. Uh, Austria. Antifa demonstrators tried to block deportation of migrant criminals, including rapists. So you have these people that have fled their countries and they're committing crimes in Austria, and Austria is tired of it. So Austria says, we're going to send them back where they came from. That's sane, right? But you have radical leftists trying to stop the deportation of these criminals. Antifa, ever heard of them in the U.S.? They're radical left. So I went to their about page, Austrian Antifa, and here's what I found. 
It's amazing. They put stuff out there about themselves that nobody checks, it seems. <sighs> we are a group of activists fed up with the prevalent prevalent state of things. Oh, the French Revolution. They were all upset with the way things were, right? We cover a broad range of topics, be it racism, queer feminism, homophobia, or anti-fascism. Besides that, alternate ways of living and relationships. Surveillance, lookism. If you can really explain to me what lookism is, I'm interested. (laughs) It must be the way people look. I don't know. Politics of expulsion and more keep us busy. While our focus shifts regularly, the issue is never the issue, it's always the revolution. We try to consider how the various types of oppression are connected. Our aim is not to improve Austria, our aim is to abolish Austria. Remember, this is Antifa. We have it too. This is the far left, way off there. Our idea is a society without nations, a society without governments. We reject the idea of nations and states together with their institutions. That's what they say about themselves. U.S. politics has it as well. Catholic Church has it. It's why many current Catholics on the conservative side are calling Pope Francis the Antichrist because he's leaning political left to quite an extent. And boy, are they mad. A bunch of them want to see Pope Benedict come back in the office and save the church. I don't care what church you're in, Adventist, Baptist, Catholic church, to one degree or another, you have this conflict going on. The whole world is being shaken by this. Islam and the political left on one side Uh, political right, traditional Christianity kind of stuff on the other. And you will be impacted by the struggle no matter where you are on this globe. You can call the whole world being shaken by this. So I believe God's people do get caught in the middle. And what should you expect next? Well, at the time of the end, the king of the south shall attack him and the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind. If we truly have an alliance between radical Islam and, and Marxist socialism, the political left, then those two gang up on traditional Christianity, and traditional Christianity comes roaring back. Islam is divided three ways. Radical Islam is overthrown. Moderate Islam follows a king of the north alliance of traditional Christianity, and some escape to follow Jesus. I expect the radical or the political left to do the same as Islam does. This is now the whole political left, not just the radicals. Radical left overthrown, moderate left follows papal-led Christianity, traditional Christianity. You're watching that happen in the Democratic Party right now in this in Washington DC. And some on the political left follow Jesus in the Bible. Just like happens with Islam. It completely fits our situation and the scriptures. So if, I'm just going to talk about the American left for a moment, and it applies in many ways around the world as well. While radical 
Islam is pushing, so is the radical left. Biden, probably one of the most dangerous things he had happened to him was when he won the presidency, the Democrats also won the House and the Senate. Did you hear me say that's one of the most dangerous things that could have happened to him? Why is this? Because the Democratic left is put together by a coalition of groups that are angry about different things. And if he has the House and the Senate and the presidency, they all expect him to get all their agenda through. He doesn't have an excuse. He cannot blame the Democrats for having a majority. Now he's blaming Joe Manchin in West Virginia. That's the best he's got. But uh, so there's a time pressure because there's a midterm election in 2022. And in a midterm election, you always have the ruling party losing seats. But it's a 50-50 split with the vice president having the tie-breaking vote in the Senate. How many seats can they lose? None. But historically, they will lose some. Which means they have to get their agenda through in two years or less. That's why he's pushing hard. The problem of it is, that's angering the political right and mobilizing them. And it's going to cause a backlash. And some of you have been watching it in groups that you're watching. So I'm expecting backlash, internal division. January 20 of 21. Remember the political riots on the day of Biden's inauguration? Or do you remember January 6 when there were political riots? But really they were on both days because the media covered one. That's interesting. Political right rioted on January 6. At least many in the political right did. Not all of them. But the political left rioted during the inauguration. Portland, Seattle, and a few other places. Antifa took to the streets carrying signs. Though They were political left. They were supporting a Biden in the election. But now that he's being inaugurated, they were carrying signs. We don't want Biden. We want revenge. The issue is never the issue. The issue is always the revolution. Well, they wanted Biden for the next step. Now they don't want him. They want to take another step. And you know what buildings they attacked that day, broke the windows out of them? Democratic headquarters. The Democrats hadn't gone far enough, fast enough. The backlash is starting both in and out of the Democratic Party and in the political right. Huh. We live in really interesting times. But then there's this king of the north and the power that joins with it, its ally. Revelation 13. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. 
He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. I have a hard time envisioning the political left doing that, supporting the papacy that hard. Traditional Christianity. But it's no stretch to see the political right doing that. So the political left goes with Islam and the political right goes with papal-led Christianity. Huh. Well, January 6th, you saw what some of the political right could do. Those were the goofy ones, the ones dressed up really weird. Uh, But all across the political right, they're complaining about the loss of religious liberty and the reality is the political left is taking away religious liberty. So that's giving them reason to push back. You have conservative Catholics. Like I said, they're already calling, identifying this as Islam and the left attacking them. Then there's evangelical prophets. Are you familiar that there's a whole bunch of prophets that were predicting Trump was going to win the election? And then after he didn't win it, that he was really not going to be taken out of office, that he would be kept in. Now they're saying that they were right all along, but the election was stolen, and that's why it didn't happen the way they said it would. And they're saying that he or somebody like him will be taking over, and God will send signs, wonders, and miracles to prove it's of God so that they can take over the country. There's your backlash. Satan takes it one way so he can slam it hard the other way. Do you know what a, you know what a pendulum is, right? A wrecking ball is just a pen, big pendulum that's swinging really hard. And he's getting it swinging harder and harder and it's causing more and more damage. So which is more dangerous? The political left or the political right? The north or the south? So I could get in a lot of trouble if I answer that question, couldn't I? But I will answer it because it has a very definite answer. The most dangerous of the political left or the political right or the north or the south is the one you lean towards. <laughs> Why is it? You see the dangers of the other side, but you don't see the dangers of your own side. Have you ever heard of something called nose blind? Nose blind is when you get so used to the smell in your house that you don't notice it, but somebody else walks in and they smell it. Have you ever noticed your house smells a little different than you're used to when you've not been home for a month or two? You come home from vacation, what's that? Maybe it's always there, you just were used to it. <sighs> we get used to our own troubles and we don't smell them. We see the dangers of the other side, but not our side. Let me illustrate that. If you grew up in a culture of Muslims, which are you more likely to follow, Christianity or Islam? You're more likely to follow Islam if you grow up in a Muslim culture. If you grow up in a Christian culture, you're more, dang- more likely to follow traditional Christian culture. 
You see the dangers of the other side typically, you don't see your own. Same politically. So be careful of the side you lean towards. Now, everybody's going to have a bias and a leaning. That's okay. But make sure it stays within bounds. Where you realize you need to be careful of your own viewpoint. And you need to realize that you never, ever put your politics above Jesus Christ. You never, ever put your politics in a position where you will hate somebody that you're supposed to be loving. We're supposed to be loving everybody. And if I get so politically involved that I can't love everybody, then I'm in trouble. When I was in eighth grade, a man told me something, and I still remember it to this day. Now, that's impressive if you can remember something you were told in eighth grade, right? Here was the question that he asked me. Can you th- he asked a whole group of us. He said, don't raise your hands, but here's my question to you. Just think about it. Can you think of anybody you don't want to see in heaven? He said, think about it. And then he says, if you can think of somebody, you will not see them in heaven because you will not be there. The Bible says we must forgive as he forgives us. And if we won't forgive others, he cannot forgive us. Ooh. And politics causes people to hate each other. Is it worth the risk? Uh -uh. I will tell you, I would be exceedingly happy to have Adolf Hitler or anybody else in this world as my next door neighbor in heaven. Why? Because that would have meant that in his last moments, God changed him so much, he surrendered to God that he's safe to have as my next door neighbor and I'd get along with him just fine because he and I are both forgiven by Jesus Christ. I doubt he will be there, but if in his last moments he made that kind of a change, I'd be really happy. I'll volunteer to be his next door neighbor. Two reasons. It's awesome that God did so much to save him, but it also means I'm in there too. (laughs) That's good news, right? If it's good news for you to be there, why not somebody else? But if we get so politically involved, we can't say that. That's what makes it dangerous. All this is happening. The left and the right are lined up. But I want to show you some really, really good news. Do you see really good news on that chart? I do. I see fabulous news on that chart. Number one, this is right near the end. It's happening. I think Jesus could come very quickly. Be ready for it to happen quickly. Number two, what happened right at the close of the French Revolution? There's an explosion of evangelism when this movement falls apart. What happens when Marxist socialism, communism falls apart in the Soviet Union and Eastern Europe? For about two years, there's an evangelistic explosion. What happens when the Ottoman Empire collapses? There is a short window of evangelism explosion. What does the Bible say is going to happen right here? 
an evangelistic explosion, tidings from the east, tidings from the north, the loud cry in Revelation. When, when the political left has a fall, it opens a door for evangelism. When radical Islam has a fall, it opens a door for evangelism. What's going to happen when they both go down together? It's going to be the greatest evangelistic opportunity of all time. And the Bible even names it. Tidings from the east, tidings from the north. And in Revelation, it names it the loud cry. It's going to be awesome. So I'm going to end with that kind of good news for you to think about. Are you ready to share the gospel of Jesus Christ like never before? Are you ready to get serious about following the Bible like never before? Because that's what these people are going to do. And when they do it, Well, let me just say this. If radical Islam and radical political left have fallen, you don't have to worry about being canceled by social media for sharing the gospel on social media. You don't have to worry about being executed by a Muslim, radical Muslim. God just opened the door for evangelism. And then the king of the north gets mad and he goes out to try and silence them. But the evangelism is already on. And you're going to get caught in the middle. But that's okay. Because Jesus is about to rescue his people caught in the middle. So as I said, if I really angered somebody, you can talk to me afterwards. And that's about pretty quick from now. <laughs> There's also a meal following. But I do have an appeal for you. Remember... No politician saves you. Only Jesus saves you. Commit to following Jesus and loving everybody. Don't ever let politics take the place of Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, help us to always make Jesus number one in our lives. And Lord, in the crazy world that we live in, help us to never lose hope in deliverance. Help us to love other people as we maneuver through the challenges of this life. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.